Welcome to the Happy Customer Channel. This week's guest is Tarek Moaz, a 20-year veteran in international workforce management. Our host is Giacomo Puccini at the Buena Vista studio in Miami. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Happy Customer Channel. I'm your host, Giacomo Puccini. I have over 20 years of experience in the customer service space handling call center operations across the world. Today, I'll be talking to Tarek Moaz, who also has over 20 years of experience in this space across several, several industries, also all over the world. So let's dive into his take on making happy customers. Hello, I'm Giacomo Puccini, also known as Gio. Welcome to the Happy Customer Channel. We've got today Tarek Moaz joining us. Feel free to introduce yourself. Thank you, Gio. Uh, like Gio said, my name is Tarek Moaz. I've spent about 20 years in financial services and business services in various roles and capacities. And today I'm running the BDR department for Altatel, which is a unified communications provider um, that covers the U.S. And, and international. Awesome. And that's one of the more prominent VoIP or telecommunication services in the U.S., right? Yep. Yeah. Well, it's considered now unified communications because okay. uh, it's a lot more than just the phones. It's also the video conferencing, file sharing. So it's all of your communications unified under one platform. That's perfect. And that does bring us, because with communication, it's critical that we're servicing clients. And I guess that's a big part of what you guys are able to help facilitate for people, correct? Absolutely. And it's one of the areas that separates us from the competition is our focus on customer experience and customer service. Awesome. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with that, with customer service or customer experience? Uh, well, sure. I mean, uh, you know, my, my entire career really has been in customer service. Uh, you know, thinking about my first, uh, my first job in college, working at, uh, you know, at the NYU gym. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're working with the public or you're dealing with people, you're automatically in customer service and customer experience. And then after that, I was in financial services as a financial advisor and a bank manager and lots of different capacities and roles. But all of them, you know, uh, went back to customer service and that customer experience. That's awesome. So you, how, do you feel that's developed you to the person you are now? Um, definitely. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, made me always, you know, think about other people's experience. Um, so it's, it's always something in the back of my mind now in my day to day life. So you, anytime you make any action or you make decisions or you communicate, you're pretty much grading yourself almost on how effective you are in customer service, would you say? Sure, yeah, or I'm, or I'm doing the opposite. Because um, you know, we're all consumers day to day, so sure. whenever I'm at a restaurant or in a store, I'm always kind of analyzing like, what they're doing for customer service and, um, you know, and how that would translate. So I, I think you know, and whenever, anytime you're able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see what the experience is like, it definitely helps. That's, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, I guess, kind of like any industry, when you do it enough, then you can kind of look at it from a different perspective at times. Yeah, absolutely. So in that regard, like, what would you tell yourself if you were your younger self? What advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I would probably uh, tell myself, you know, life is hard and people are going, everybody's going through something. So it's important to keep that in the back of your mind whenever you're, you know, in a difficult situation or trying to help somebody, um, you know, have that patience don't take it personal. It's not about you. Um, it's about the situation, and um, and we signed up to 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 address situations like that. So, um, you know, I think we have to embrace it and uh, just have patience and put yourself in other people's shoes. That's what I would. Yeah, that's. I mean, very sage advice. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> and how would you say the industry has changed throughout your career? Oh, uh, that's interesting, actually, because at, at one point, especially in the financial services industry, there was a big push towards customer experience, 
where in the past, they, you know, that was non-existent. Uh, so it was really nice to see that. And I think it made a big impact overall for, you know, in terms of business for the banks uh, mm-hmm. or the financial services and as well for the consumers. Uh, unfortunately, nowadays, I'm starting to see maybe we're a lot of places are starting to cut back a little bit on that, you know, maybe because of the environment we're in. Okay. So um, I, I think they still know that it's really important, but maybe some places just don't have the resources to allocate to it. Um, so we're starting to see a little bit of a drop off again, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, even there's recent articles in the news that you see there's certain industries yep. that are almost making it impossible to get any customer experience or any oh, yeah. customer service, right? Um, so how, how would you define a good customer experience? Uh, a good customer experience is one where we deliver on, uh, on the customer's expectations. Um, you know, I think in a nutshell, that would be a satisfactory customer experience where I'm getting everything that I'm expected to get or receive in a way that I'm expected uh, to receive it. Okay. And I'm sure even when you do that, there are instances where a customer is still going to be dissatisfied regardless. So what would you do in that instance or how do you turn them around? Uh, well, I think one of the most important things when it comes to you know, handling situations like that is letting the person know that you're, uh, that you're speaking to that, A, that they're being heard. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people, you know, they just want somebody to listen to them and, and understand the situation they're going through. So you know, once we do that, you want to you want to kind of take ownership of the situation. Let them know that, hey, you know, I heard what the situation is. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it for you. Um, and then finally, we have to execute on, on what we said we're going to do. Um, so yeah. if we said we're going to take care of it, we have to own it and, and take care of it for them. Yeah, that's awesome. I completely agree. How do you feel about the overall thought of the customer is always right? Uh, you know, that's, that's something that's uh, always existed, and I, I believe in it, and I think it's true. You know, except, of course, when the customer is wrong, but, uh, <laughs> then it's, but that's okay, you know, because sometimes that's part of the experience is for us, to, you know, to educate um, you know, our customers, but to do it in a nice way. You know, no one wants to be lectured. Um, even, even, even if somebody's wrong, no one wants to be told that they're wrong. So um, I, I still believe in that, that the customer is always right, even when they're not. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it, it comes more to how we, uh, we work with that particular customer in that situation. But I do still agree with it. This episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative, Miami's premier digital marketing agency. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves. Video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. So, yeah, completely agree with you. Sometimes the customer is not always right, but it is a great philosophy that that does help take the lead on how people need to act at certain times. It's kind of like the golden rule, I guess, right? Um, So you do have experience not only in the U.S., is that correct? Yes. Do you mind elaborating a little bit on your international experience with customer experience? Oh, sure. Um, Well, you know, some of my personal projects, excuse me, that, uh, you know, I've worked on in the past, uh, we did rely on uh, hiring some overseas talent. Mm. For which is becoming a lot more common these days with things like uh, Fever websites like that, where um, people are you know looking more towards you know international services and um, and support. It would still it, it wouldn't affect quality at all, um, which was a big concern, of course, right? Um, you always want to deliver the service, but you want to keep it at, at a certain level of quality. So absolutely, and just to kind of. Clarify a little bit on the quality. You're talking more the voice quality or the performance. Uh, everything. Um, everything. You know um, that is a big. Uh, um, I don't want to say concern or complaint, no, it, but it is. That, yeah. um, you know, from you know consumers in general, 
we need to be able to understand the person that we're speaking to. Mm-hmm. So, of course, communication skills and um, things like accent are, are really important. So, um, you know, w- when you're working with uh, an organization or a, a country where they, they have that talent and it doesn't affect the quality, um, you know, it's definitely a great opportunity. Makes a lot of sense. So what countries have you supported or had operations in? Um, mainly the, uh, the Middle East, Middle uh, East. Egypt, um, a little bit of uh, Jordan, but m- mostly uh, Egypt. And what percentage of the population? I don't know if you've if you've been able to figure that out uh, or study it. I'm guessing you may have, but what percent of the population are considered English speakers? Wow, that's a you know uh, it's it's becoming a lot more now. It's it's kind of rare uh, now to have somebody that doesn't speak any type of English. That does not. Yeah, that does not speak any any English. But uh, when it comes to the quality or the the level, you know that can still vary. Uh, mm-hmm. Where you'll still have some, uh, you know, some folks that have more of an accent okay. than others. But what we're noticing now is, you know, because of the internet, because of media, um, because of how how much smaller the world's getting, those things are starting to disappear. Like um, where the experience is, hey, you're talking to somebody, they're in a different country, but they sound like your next door neighbor, which mm-hmm. is you know the the experience that you want to go for. Especially us, we're we're in Miami. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah. In some cases, it might be even better than your next door neighbor. So. That's true. I, I, actually, since I, I haven't been in Miami that long, I've been here for about six months. And oh my, wow, welcome. Yeah, I'm still pretty new, um, but really great people. Mm. I've actually been speaking more more Spanish. Wow. Yeah. Living in Miami than even when I lived in South America, wow, which is funny. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Spanish speakers, and in Egypt, uh, I guess I don't. I'm not. I don't know. Is it the local language there? Would it be Egyptian or? Uh, Arabic, yeah. Arabic. Arabic, Arabic. Uh, Egyptian dialect of Arabic, yeah. Okay, perfect. Mm. So from there, it seems like the majority of the people now speak English. And is this something that has been kind of dictated because of government policies or just people know that if they speak English, they have more opportunity? What, what's led to that? Uh, I don't know if it was ever a, a government thing. Um, you know, I think that the people, and I, I think this is pretty much the case all over the world, you know, people love the American culture, and mm-hmm. you know they they love American movies, American TV shows, American music. So uh, naturally, if you're able to speak it, and uh, you know you're, you're going to enjoy it more, and uh, uh, the fact that they're exposed to it, and that, that they get to to speak with more people through the internet, you know their accents are getting better. Even things like video games, mm-hmm. where you know people are playing video games all day long, but now they're talking to people all that's over true. the world. That, that's given them the practice that they need to get that accent. Um, you know, down. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, I think the world's become so much smaller mm-hmm. in, in that aspect because when you're joining certain video games, like you're saying, movies is a bit different because at that point you're just looking at a specific point of time and it's you and that's that movie, yeah, which is totally different. And you can take that information and depending on your level of yeah. acquiring information, you may do it very good. Or not. <laughs> and you're but, not talking either. You're not talking back to correct. the movie or, or the TV show. Usually you're just absorbing it. Great so that's point. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the people who I have actually hired internationally as well, same thing. The ones who do gaming a lot yeah. and are always talking to people globally, they yeah. do have a habit of not just... Because when you learn it in school, you can speak it. But mm-hmm. when people speak back to you, sometimes you get thrown off, especially if they ask questions. And that's what we're learning with some of the operations we have internationally. But I guess when they game, they're more used to speaking it, and it makes them a little bit more comfortable. Have you found that there's a different learning curve depending on how they've acquired their English speaking? Well, that's a, you know I haven't analyzed that yet. Um, I haven't I haven't dug deep into that, but that could be something to to look into <laughs> actually, because um, that's a good point. Yeah, somebody maybe that's uh, you know gets most of it from TV and and movies. 
they can comprehend maybe a lot, but when they want to express themselves, they might have some difficulty with that. That's interesting. I, I, something to keep an eye on moving forward. That, that's some of the challenges that we've actually seen as mm -hmm. well. So there's certain people when they're school taught, yeah. when when they go, because when you're doing role plays in the school, it's very different because you you it's a lot more structured. The person's yeah. helping you out. They're like, come on, you can do it. But when it's gaming or something, and you're like, you're gonna kill me if you don't, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. don't do this right or something. It's a very different approach. Yeah. So that's interesting. What about on, on recruitment? Like, how how do you find these English speakers in the different countries you support? Uh, well, you know, a lot of the ways, uh, a lot of the same ways that we find people here. You know, local ads. Okay. Uh, Facebook and WhatsApp are really popular modes of communication there, and kind of like sharing information. Um, so you know, those are some of the areas. Uh, LinkedIn, of course, now. Um, you know, but. You know, to find uh, the, the level that you're looking for, referrals is always, um, you know, some of the best ways because, you know, those people with those language skills, they tend to yeah. hang out in the same circles or they tend to know people from past experience. So referrals are always... Uh, That's a good point. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because they're running in the same circle. That's awesome. And what are some of the challenges you find when you're handling operations internationally? Uh, and which, which challenges don't you find, maybe? But um, but this is not necessarily isolated to international operations, right? Because it's yeah. operations anywhere. It's just there's some different complexities, I'm assuming, to international operations, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's the local uh, the local laws and things like that okay. that you have to abide, uh, abide by that you know might not always uh, be the same as the ones that we have here, which is fine, but we just kind of have to adjust to that. Also, maybe the... Um, I don't want to say the the it's not the work ethic, but maybe the the work environment. I I, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of hard to Is describe it, like a it. Cultural thing or yeah, more it could be more of a, a cultural thing. Yeah, when it comes to uh, certain ways of doing business, but they're not major and they're very you know uh, slight. Uh, one thing that we did kind of uh, come across was um, you know because of the time difference. Uh, mm. Getting some of our employees, you know, back home safely and things like that. Those were some precautions that we took uh, overseas that we might not take here. That makes sense. Uh, how big of a time difference is it where you typically it's operate? Seven hours ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a significant difference. Yeah, they're usually working from like three till midnight. Okay, okay. So it's an evening shift there. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the Philippines, it's typically like a twenty-four hour difference, or not twenty-four. That would be the exact same yeah. thing, <laughs> mm. but a twelve-hour difference. So when it's twelve. Noon here, it's 12 midnight there. Mm. And that's why a lot of times the night shifts that we don't, most people in the U.S. don't like doing the night shifts. Yeah. They love them because yeah. it's the day shift there. But usually it's skeletal crews. Mm. But then as it's becoming more and more popular in the Philippines, then at that point now we're offering more and more day hours in the U.S., which is night hours over there. So it's very, um, in the begin, it, it can be a bit dangerous, but it's becoming so much more common for people to work at mm. nights in the Philippines for call centers that just transportation is a lot more readily available for yeah. nights. Um, what portion of the population works at night? Is, is it a large or just a well, it's get, well, because, you know, uh, in, in a lot of these countries, uh, a big part of their their workforce or their is catering to, you know, international clients. Maybe not all in the U.S., but also Europe, um, Asia, other parts of the world. So... Uh, we're starting to see more and more of that. But, you know, th it is more of a traditional nine to five, but okay. we're starting to see a big part of the population, um, you know, kind of work different hours to accommodate wherever they might be working geographically. And this is not necessarily just in the scope of uh, call centers, but this can be different professional roles supporting international. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, we're seeing that all over, uh, all different kinds of jobs now, mm -hmm. accountants, uh, bookkeepers, um, Mm. Architects, design. I mean, there's there isn't a profession now actually that uh, 
probably it couldn't, I don't want to say it couldn't be done overseas, but I think there's a lot of companies now that are utilizing uh, yeah. overseas talent for, for all types of different positions. It's not just customer service. Especially like troubleshooting, I agree. I know I, I've heard that people are saying if, if you're a plumber or an electrician, your job is going to be a lot safer than some of these like lawyers or engineers because mm. a lot of those talents can be done remotely. It doesn't require somebody. But if you're if the toilet gets broken or the sink gets clogged, someone has to physically go there. Sure. Um, mm. Although with with doing some of the walkthroughs, I guess that can be done to a certain extent. But if a piece needs to be replaced, there's no way to say, hey, somebody from another side of the world, fix that. Mm. won't happen. You know, what's actually interesting, too, is that a lot of, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of people in the U.S. go overseas for medical procedures. Uh, so, yeah. um, you know, forget about bringing the talent over here. We're, we've got people going to see the talent over yeah. there. Uh, just because it's it's a better value, and, and and you're not sometimes you're getting better quality than the quality you're getting here, um, so that's you know, something to consider. That's a very good point. I actually had a friend who did a startup based off uh, what, what do they call it medical tourism. Yeah, and yeah. there's so there's a hospital in, in the Philippines that is very well known because mm-hmm. it has very good uh, co- support. And so what a lot of people do is they fly from typically Australia. Uh, Hawaii and a few other places that have direct flights to the Philippines and it's not a super long trip because from here it's pretty long. Yeah. But then they'll fly from there and do the medical support and the cost of the, the place, the accommodations, the flight, the food, and all the medical procedures are like a quarter of the cost than if they would have done the hospital there. So that's that's a very good point. It's interesting how sometimes outsourcing will help a certain environment that it uplifts it to the point where yeah. now other people want to go there for other yeah. things as well, such as tourism also, right? Absolutely, yeah. I actually did laser eye surgery or LASIK maybe 20 years ago overseas. 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow, that was yeah. bold. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you had somebody, you know, you had a family friend who, who went and did it, and, you know, they were okay, and yeah, you saw a lot of international people going to this doctor, so it was a fourth of the price maybe. Wow. So that yeah, was a no-brainer. So you've been doing this for... A long time now, and what are some of the good success stories that you've had in doing customer service? Oh, well, yeah, I think one of my all-time favorite stories is uh, when we were working with our, our particular uh, customer service uh, department, uh, the, the head of their department. Uh, he was having a lot of issues with another service provider. Uh, he had recently gotten uh, uh, hired by uh, a large company down here in Florida. And, uh, you know, it was his responsibility to kind of turn the, the customer experience world around. Um, we had, he had been a former client of ours at a, at a previous job or a previous position. So uh, when he went to his new role, he, he told them that, hey, if you guys want to get the results that you're looking for, you know, we're going to have to switch to this other company, uh, you know, in order for us to be able to, um, you know, help our agents deliver the customer service that they need. So, you know, the, the CEO there and the IT director there, you know, they weren't really too keen on making any moves, but because he was so adamant about it and because this was an important goal of theirs, uh, you know, uh, he was a champion of ours and, uh, you know, we were able to, to, to win that business. But the, the real good part about that story is that uh, this person was so uh, impressed with the service that uh, we gave him at, at both uh, locations that a couple of years later, he actually reached out to us inquiring about, you know, joining our company because he was so wow. impressed with what, uh, you know, with what we did. So I don't know if there's any better compliment than, you know, somebody saying, hey, I'm so impressed with your service that I want to join your company. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that says a lot. That's definitely one of my all-time favorite stories. That's very cool. Yeah, I know it uh, definitely breeds, like, belief in, 
everything you do. And that kind of like opens up how small of a world it is because mm. uh, as we have expanded and customer service has become more prevalent all over the world, it's just kind of opened up more opportunities to where others may not have seen them before. Yeah. Um, with what are some of the uh, so what are some of the challenges you're seeing in regards to find the right people at, at an executive level? Because I know recruiting entry level is kind of more the entry point for mm. people outsourcing either local or international. What about on a higher role, uh, a higher profile? Well, that's a good question. I think um, you know with technology these days and mm -hmm. artificial intelligence and, and all the different tools and resources that are available, um, you know, you want somebody with that experience, but you also want somebody with their ear to the ground and, you know, who's up to date with all the latest tools and, um, and uh, options that, that are available now that, that can help you in that. Because there's a lot out there now that yeah. didn't exist, you know, two, three years ago, let alone 10 years ago. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you really want to do your due diligence when you're, you know, recruiting people or evaluating uh, individuals to, to find out, you know, how familiar are you with all the different tools that are out there now that, you know, can assist us with what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, those, those are some great points. I think people don't realize how new of an industry it is, mm -hmm. and that's why there's still, uh, a lot of times people have the bad stigma. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I hear somebody with a slight accent, and they don't want to talk to them at all. And sometimes we have people in the U.S. that have those accents as well. Mm -hmm. But the technology has, when you wanted to set up a call center before, mm -hmm. it, it was a huge investment, took a lot of time. You, you'd have to have months of planning in order to get it launched. Nowadays with technology, it, it's you can pretty much get a new account launched within a very short period of time, weeks or days even. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that also it touches on what we do as well because just like what you said, you know, setting up a call center used to take up time and mm -hmm. resources and, you know, same thing with a, a phone system or a phone service. You know, it used to be a big project. So now you can have, you know, 100 people up and running um, in a couple of hours. Right. So. Yeah, and that would never have been before uh, an option because you'd have to run the trunk lines and yep. really yeah. if you tried to do... VoIP or digital voice, it didn't work very well because the capacity and the bandwidth was not there. So technology yeah. has made it not only an option mm -hmm. or a more viable option, even for small companies. Because I know before, if you were a small company, it's not even worth it because the setup cost was just too crazy. Now for the setup cost, it's easier on, on both voice and the overall structure that small companies can yeah. look at it as an option. Absolutely. And now even, yeah, very small companies now have that option to have that uh, big enterprise image mm -hmm. where they can deliver that experience and, and service that, you know, the other uh, companies can that, that have maybe some more resources. What kind of, uh, or is there a minimum size that you typically focus on with with the telco side? Um, not really, because uh, we'll work with businesses of, uh, of all shapes and sizes. So mm -hmm. there isn't really a minimum, but obviously, you know, the more, the, the bigger your team is, the more value and benefit you're going to, um, you know, you're, you're going to get from the from the system. And then is it easier for you if they have all their operations set in one specific place or if they have people working from home? How, how complex can it get, get done for them? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, as long as you have an internet connection, it, it can be done. And do they need any special ma machinery or components or any setup for them to have one person in California and then one person in Miami, let's say? How, how easy is that to run? Well, it's very easy. Yeah, they just need a high-speed internet connection. That's it. And then okay. we set it up. We take care of everything on the other end. So it makes it much easier for them. So anybody anywhere can pretty much launch things. And then on the call, on the support side for customer support, is that the same setup for you guys as well that you've seen that you can kind of scale it anywhere, 
yeah. any point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, as long as there's an internet connection, yeah, there's there's not there's no limitation really. That's perfect, and, and that's kind of the same thing we're seeing as well. You know, it's we can set it up anywhere, anytime, and then the voice quality on. Um, I, I guess sometimes when we look at hiring people, part of it is the culture. Like, do they understand the overall nuances of the American? language that is spoken versus just speaking it and having the right accent. Do you yeah. find that it's the same thing with some of the operations you're working with? Yeah, sure. I mean, there, there, the, yeah, there, there's obviously some, you know, local or cultural sayings that we say or, or do or things that we, um, that, you know, an overseas person might not, you know, be familiar with right away, but that, that really depends on the training that we give them and, you know, the ongoing support to, to get them up to speed with with some of the other things that come out, but there's new words that come out every day that you know people <laughs> might. So yeah, that's true. We are a uh, society that does evolve quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one thing. When we do hire people and we're going through the training, mm. um, we we look at we have a part of the training that is more on the culture mm. as well as the account itself, yeah. since that helps them get caught up if they don't understand it. Is that something you guys typically do as well? Yes, yes. Um, but luckily what we're seeing is uh, it's not as big as it used to be. That gap, mm -hmm. it's, it's becoming, the world's becoming a much smaller place overall. So um, I, we're, I'm, I think more, more of us are finding that we're not that different from each other. And uh, I, mean, I think we're all starting to become a little bit more similar if, yeah. you know, in a weird way. I agree. Some of those points are really interesting. Uh, when you had mentioned a little bit about the like augmented reality and all that, there's a lot of technology that has kind of been changing the overall industry a bit. Do you think it's going to, I know there's certain people that say it's going to get to the point where you don't even need a human anymore. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I think it's going to be a mixed bag. Uh, I, we're definitely not there at that point yet where we can, you know, replace uh, the human touch. And I, and I don't know if we're ever going to be there, to be honest. I think uh, people like to, to know that they, they can speak to a human if, if they need to or if there's an issue. Um, in the future, will we eventually start to see technology blend in with like reality and for us not be able to tell the difference? Maybe. Um, you know, I am not one to say nothing is impossible, but I do think that humans will always play a, a key role in the customer experience journey. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm yeah. excited to see uh, the technology, and but I always feel like as long as there's the human element in there, yeah. I think that's the best route to go. I think it's going to be an evolution because a lot of people see customer service almost very entry level. I don't know if you agree, mm. but a lot of times when they're like, oh, you work customer service, they think you're just taking calls. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. I think the evolution that's going to happen is a lot of automation is going to take the entry level stuff, password reset, whatever, the very, very entry level stuff. And then as the more complex things, then the, the people working the phones are going to need to be a lot more skilled. They're going to be super agents in a way, mm. right? I yeah. don't know if you've kind of see it the same way. And I think that's what technology will push to the point where people see you as a customer service person and they're going to be like, wow, that guy knows a lot of stuff versus yeah. just like password reset. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, even the whole, uh, the, the, the position itself, um, you know, it went from customer service to customer experience, right? Yeah. And so. And customer journey. And customer yeah. journey. Yeah. Customer success now. Is yeah. that another one too? Yeah. yeah. It, it's so, hard to like figure out what figure you're supposed out, yeah. to use. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think they're all, they're all, uh, they're all connected and they're all right. Mm -hmm. so. And it's all about the customer, which is the mm -hmm. key point. Yeah. I completely agree. And that's, I think, the biggest fear of a lot of people is like as they automate or as they add more technology to customer whatever, experience yeah. journey, whatever, is it going to alienate the customer? And I guess as long as that doesn't happen, mm -hmm. if it's done to really better the experience, 
keep the simple simple, and then the more complex where somebody can really get it done effectively, yeah. I think that'll be a win-win for everybody, right? Absolutely, yeah. A really good example or a basic example is uh, like the IVR menu on your uh, yeah. on your business phone system, right? Those things are designed to make our lives a little bit easier and for a better experience, but if they're not done properly, they can be extremely it's frustrating. <laughs> so, And it could have a negative impact on the experience. So. And that, yeah. that is where you get a lot of the negative yeah. stigma as well because yeah. it's like, hey, I called in to talk to you and you transferred me to this guy, you transferred me to this guy, I've been transferred 20 times, what's going on? Yeah. Thankfully, because technology's made things better, that doesn't happen as much as it used to in the past. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a very good point. And that's technology as well. A lot of people don't yeah. realize it. I think the future is going to be a blend of humans and technology working together. So Yeah, and it's going to make the world, like you said, a smaller place. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so we're talking that a little bit. There's certain customers that, or certain companies that do not have or make it very difficult to reach them. And I think there's a website you can go to and you can find their phone numbers. But oh, really? What are your thoughts of that? Like when you either call and it drops you to like a dead voicemail queue, we'll call you when we want to, or you get no response email. How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's always a, a red flag for me. And it's a, it's a big uh, thing that I use to determine whether or not I'm going to make a purchase. Uh, if you don't have customer service, it's probably for a reason. And it's not a good reason. So... Um, you know, it's not a good sign um, because if you have an issue, like, who are you going to go to? And, yeah. you know, emails, customer support is not there yet or, you know, that process takes a lot longer. And it's just not a good experience for, for consumers to, to do business with somebody that doesn't have something in place to, to take care of you if you have an issue or, or a problem. True. Although certain co companies say we offer either a free service or very, very low cost because we will omit the customer service component on that. So do you feel that's a fair trade-off that we trade price in order to allow no customer support? Um, I don't know if it's so much they're trading price over maybe their profits. Uh, I, I think there's a way to do both. Um, so I think you know, in order to do things the right way, um, you know, that has to be a part of the equation um, yeah. because there are options now that... Are, they're not, it's not as expensive as it used to be before to have good customer service or a good customer experience. Um, so there's really no reason not to have it. That's a good point. And at the end of the day, that still falls within the customer journey side that we were yeah. talking about earlier. Because if they're doing a good flow on the customer journey, then they can omit certain parts that would require customer service if they fulfill the overall flow correctly. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tarek, thank you so much for being here. We do appreciate having you here on the Happy Customer Channel. Um, why don't you let us know how we can get a hold of you? Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me, by the way. And uh, yeah, if anybody's interested in, uh, in getting more information about Altatel or, or our services, uh, you always visit www.altatel.com, U-L-T-A-T-E-L.com. Uh, -E and yeah, Perfect. you can get more info on us there. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us today on the Happy Customer Channel. Like, subscribe, or leave any comments on what you think we can improve or change. Take care.